Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey, Collider fans, this is John Roca. You know me as the outlaw, and you know that I am the leader of Outlaw Nation. But there's another nation out there, and that's Bachelor Nation. So attention, Bachelor Nation. Caitlin Bristow's opening a bottle of wine with Off the Vine and Off the Vine Grape Therapy every Tuesday and Thursday on Podcast One. Check out some of her recent interviews with Brandy Cyrus, Megan Lindsay, and many more. Download Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Also, remember to rate and review. And since it's the summer of loving, in honor of the Bachelorette finale this week, you may also want to check out the Amber Rose Show and Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig with Heather and Terry Dubrow, exclusively on Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General state's pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hello, sweaties. It's episode 264 of Heroes. We're going to talk about the Disney-Fox merger. It's a go. And then we're going to hit James Gunn. We're going to find out, is Disney going to hire James Gunn back for Guardians Galaxy Volume 3? We're going to talk about that and more on Collider Heroes today. 
I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna do that. I can't. I can't right now. All right, hey, welcome everybody. Uh, episode two sixty four. As I said, I am John Roca, your host, temporary host for today. Koi Jandrew is back with us. How we doing? The great Amy Dallin is back with us, fresh from a comic book shop uh, and being stuck in traffic in Los Feliz. <laughs> Who knew construction Why? goes on in the middle of the day? LA. <laughs> LA is always a struggle. And you're both wearing incredible shirts. Dude, we, we didn't plan this. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. The Godfathers. Like, I feel very proud about who we're repping today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so good stuff. Uh, I do want to say one thing before we start the show. I, I know a lot of you have reached out about Robert Meyer Burnett. We did invite him last week to come on the show today to do a tribute or to offer a video. Robert uh, decided instead to spend time with his mother this weekend, which is totally understandable. And he, but we will have him on the show in the future when he is ready to come on the show and talk about John. So we, d- I just want to make sure the fans understand that I heard you. We got all your tweets. We understand, and we did reach out to Robert, so we will remedy that situation at a future time. He will be on the show. All right, let's move on to this big news here. Disney, the Fox, Disney Fox deal is finally approved. We all knew it was coming, even though like Comcast threw a bit of wrenches in every once in a while, but this is done. It's been approved. $71.3 billion. Uh, I don't know where they found that, maybe in the couch somewhere of, the, of their offices, but they found $71.3 billion to purchase Fox and it's been approved by the shareholders of the company. Uh, they will follow the deal being approved by the Department of Justice last month. So it was already in process. This was already so they they crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's. They got this going. Uh, Disney and Fox previously had notified the shareholders that all transactions related to the deal are expected to be completed within six to twelve months of June twentieth, two thousand eighteen. So Disney could be in control of all the Fox assets by the end of this year. Which wow. is in- incredible. Christmas. So it'll start this whole process going, and this means Fox and uh, uh, Disney now owns the rights to X Men, Deadpool, Fantastic Four, and all the related characters. They're all headed to Marvel Studios. Uh, it does exclude the Fox Broadcasting Network, National News, and the Sports Networks. Um, but this is massive, right? We we were all waiting for this. Now all these visions of Deadpool with Spider Man, <laughs> all these visions of a new X Men, all these visions of uh, a, fanta- a new Fantastic Four that actually works. Is all in motion. Amy, what was your reaction to this for the first time you heard? Like, what is your reaction to this overall, I guess? Uh, I can't believe it's really happening. Yeah. After all of our many, many discussions about the stages of, like... And, it, you know, the timeline tracks. We They said, like, we'll know by summer of next year, and yeah. it is that time now. And, that, like, so in that sense, everything is proceeding normally. But it is... It is... It is I think without precedent in terms of the mm-hmm. entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, like... Disney has a very strong and well-known sort of corporate culture, but everything we know about Disney sort of is different from the Disney of the last 15 years that has been in this particularly acquisitive mode. Uh, And so I don't exactly know what to guess for the future. It's, It's nice to be here on this show the one show where this is fantastic news. Yeah, that's true. Um, where this is amazing and we've been dreaming about it happening because it remedies something that's been bugging us all since approximately the year 2000. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it didn't really bug us before we knew Marvel was going to start its own film studio, whatever, timeline. Uh, <laughs> but it, so, so this is the one corner of the world. Getting the Marvel rights back is the one thing that I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God this is happening. There's lots of questions about what it means for the film business overall, what it means for a variety of product, what it means for a lot of jobs. Uh, and we don't know the answers to those questions yet. But, but just purely as the person wearing this shirt, <laughs> I'm real happy. I am so torn. Uh, I feel like I've been talking about this exact merger since I started hosting. Uh, I feel like in the beginning of time, this has been a conversation. Like As far as I've hosted, this has been a conversation of, will they, won't they, maybe. And then the last two years has been like, it's happening. No, it's not. Yes. And then the last year, it's been like, it's happening, but... 
and now it's there's no buts, there's no caveats, there's no asterisks. This is real. Yeah. And I'm so torn because, like you said, here is the place that's great. Yeah. And I'm very positive here on Collider Heroes about <laughs> this. But like the other seventy percent of the world, the other like the the, the non comic book side of me, the filmmaker side, the creative side is like. So how many jobs are gone yeah. and how many people don't have jobs and how many That's people won't get to work because Disney doesn't like them or how many things won't go forward and how many movies will we get now because Disney's not going to fight themselves. Right. Disney's not going to release one movie in October and one in November. If they might conflict, they're going to want to spread the wealth. So where we might have had five to six comic movies a year, we might have three to four now. We don't know how this affects things on, mm-hmm. a, on an overall scale. I will forever be excited that Spider-Man and Deadpool can hang out. I will forever be excited that Fantastic <laughs> Four will be the Fantastic Four of my dreams, and that we'll never get an X-Men The Last Stand again, presumably. Yeah. But I will always be worried about different decisions that get made, and some of the things we'll talk about later in the show about certain people being rehired, what might have happened if someone else was in charge. So overall, I want to I make it clear, I'm hyper-positive as a comic fan, but I'm, I'm hyper-paranoid as a film fan. Well, you bring up X-Men, and this is a good question to talk about now at this point. What happens to the New Mutants? What happens to Dark Phoenix? I mean, this is a, these are essentially lame duck films, unless they come out and say that they're going to retain this entire cast for both of these films mm-hmm. as they transition in under the Disney umbrella. So to me, this uh, they had already gone back and reshot a lot of new or some of New Mutants, a lot of of the Dark Phoenix film. Uh, So here we go. Are we recasting the X Men all over again? Do we want to live in a world where we have to remove McAvoy and Fassbender as? As uh, as Professor X and Magneto, that scares the hell. You could recast everybody else, <laughs> but those two people, you gotta let me have them. Although they are the miracle of like, there's there's I, I don't know if there's ever been another example where they took two characters and they cast them perfectly twice. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, how how did that happen? Yeah, it's very good. Point. Um, but it doesn't mean that they can do it a third time. But on the other hand, like I'm not sure. I look, the X Men films are terribly important to me, uh, and I've loved them very much. But they are enough of a mess. They come with enough of their own thing mm-hmm. that I'm not sure it makes sense to bring them in without, like, I, I think the, the Marvel side of it deserves a chance to do what they would want to do and not necessarily what they're inheriting, which is very uncomics. In, un, in comics, you inherit whatever yeah. mess the guy before <laughs> you left. You, do. You, do. Um, you just make it work and you patch some stuff on there and you say that one was a scroll and you work it out. Um, <laughs> Clones and scrolls. Gotta fix it. So I guess that's the, the plus side is if they go that direction, at least I can take comfort in being like, this is very comic book. Um, but the truth is, I think, from a filmmaking perspective, it'll make more sense to do a clean slate. I just don't know what you do with those two finished films. Right. I guess you have to start in uh, a what if or an Elseworlds like style, like I spin them off onto the streaming service as. Uh, like alt looks at X-Men or mm-hmm. like make an exile series out of them. I don't know. Ooh, Cut blink into three seconds of everything and just go <laughs> yeah. from there. I, I don't know. There's millions of dollars tied up in this, but this is a company that just spent $70 billion. Yeah. So I don't know. It, part of me says they won't blink at millions, and part of me says, of course, you you, you spent all this money making it. Do something with it. Yeah, I, I think that's the good point you bring up is this idea. Yeah, right, the difference between film and comics is you have to you if you bring characters or you inherit all their terrible installments that you had to sit through. Yeah, yeah and the good ones too, but some of the terrible ones, right? So this idea, and in even bringing Hugh Jackman back as as Wolverine, you'd have to inherit X Men Origins. You have to bring on all this kind of stuff. So the recasting makes sense because you don't want to bring in all that mythology uh, from the previous X-Men films and be responsible for it, for crafting it, for honing it. And with New Mutants, maybe it's possible because it's still new and none of these people have come out. Mm -hmm. There have been no installments of New Mutants, so there's a possibility there to save. But I think with X-Men, 
I think you release the movie, make what you can, recoup what you can, and then and then and then shut it down. Like it just doesn't make sense to try to bring it all under. What do you think? I, I agree. Uh, now that I've gotten my my negative paranoia out of the way, I can be purely excited. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, it's it's done. It's over now. Just hype. X Men Dark Phoenix is a beautiful end potentially for that franchise. Yeah. X Men Dark Phoenix is a great swan song at, uh, that leads <laughs> itself to to recasting. It, it's a they can literally rise from the ashes. Like this new franchise can rise from what Phoenix ends and I think it's really fitting uh, what franchise has tried to do the Phoenix more but Brian Singer had the Phoenix yeah. uh, they're now doing the Phoenix again like X-Men keeps trying to get it right <laughs> what a great way to be like well here we are there's the Phoenix it's over now and then have a new cast yeah. I think it fits I think New Mutants is an option especially with the different genre that it is to do something that Marvel could keep the New Mutants and have those characters tied in because it's a horror franchise it's a smaller budget franchise mm-hmm. it's almost Blumhouse in its scope and size so those characters like we like we said we haven't seen them yet so there's no tie there's no association and they're not tied into the characters that we're so married to that we've had for 18 years so I think now is a good time for this deal to happen I don't think we unfortunately get to keep Fassbender or McAvoy as perfect as they are I think it would confuse a lot of everyday fans mm-hmm. I think it would also confuse a lot of continuity and I also think that what Marvel's done best is cast people that surprise us yeah I think from from 2008 we've been like really and then the first trailer comes out we're like that is exactly who it's mm-hmm. been and I never realized it like Every time I loved Ed Norton as Hulk until Mark Ruffalo, right. and then Mark Ruffalo came out, and I was like, I never would have thought of this like slight tick, like trying to contain like that neurotic Bruce Banner. But now when I read the comic, I see that. Yeah. So I feel like what they can do with X Men is as much as we're tied to these old cast members. Now when we get these new ones, like Marvel is so good at casting that it will be like oh, those were good, but here's the ultimate universe. Because right. that's effectively what they're doing. They're giving us that year 2000 hard reset with the movies. So I'm really excited for them to recast and for me to understand, like, oh, I never even saw that person and fill it in. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so and excited. They, well, and they don't just do that. They also acquire Avatar. They also acquire the, the Planet of the Apes movies franchise. Yeah. Buffy, what The Simpsons? Do? But yeah, all of that stuff is coming over. So this is... Very interesting what can Alien go up. Well. Right? Uh, yeah, Alien 2 as well. Yeah, so, God, maybe we'll redo that. But no, but uh, with Avatar. With Poor all Dark Horse. <laughs> all of their license deals are with things that Disney buys. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Yeah. Dark Horse it's is a great point. Yeah. Like, they've got a lot of good video game stuff uh, that I hope <laughs> is probably not being bought by Disney, but I do feel a little pang for yeah. them. <laughs> It, 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 what they're saying here, or what I'm reading, is 30. The Disney said expects it expects to pay a total of about 35 billion in cash, and then issue approximately 343 million in new Disney shares to Fox shareholders, who will own as much as 20 percent of Disney. So, so they Fox, make an umbrella company, right? That has sort of the old Fox and the old Disney under it, right? And uh, yeah, and that's how we might get to keep Deadpool R-rated. Is yeah. having that umbrella is how exactly. we keep it because it might not even have the Disney logo in front of it because mm-hmm. like Buena Vista didn't and like there are certain movies like Miramax I think was owned by Disney at some yeah. point and the Kevin Smith movies are hardly Disney appropriate so you have the option to keep that and I know a lot of people are worried about Deadpool not being R-rated but I think they see money and they know like that's a 1.5 billion dollar franchise you're mm-hmm. not going to suddenly change it like Ryan Reynolds isn't a PG-13 actor in those in that capacity so right. I'm less worried about Deadpool than some of the internet is okay fair enough well let's uh, move on to somebody who might be or might not be part of this whole merger, and that's James Gunn. Uh, a lot has happened since this firing was announced. Uh, obviously, for those of you who maybe are keeping or, or catching up here, uh, there were some tweets from years ago that were resurfaced by an alt-right blogger who uh, came... That's that's all the credit I'm going to give that guy, who came out and said this kind of, in honor of Schnapp. That's all the credit I'm going to give that fool. Uh, uh, he came out and exposed these tweets because uh, James Gunn had been an ardent uh, critic of President Trump, and so they went after him. And But James Gunn had already apologized for these tweets years ago, and 
before they even started doing Guardians of the Galaxy, the first film, but for whatever reason, Disney used this as a reason to let go of James Gunn. That happened. Uh, but then, surprisingly, which I haven't seen yet, so many people in a reaction to a firing uh, recently for these kinds of issues, you know, people felt that the jokes were a little off color, pedophilia stuff, all this other, just inappropriate jokes. It wasn't doing it. They were just inappropriate jokes. And so, um, but I did, I didn't expect to see such a, 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 a massive amount of artists coming to James Gunn's defense. In fact, I think we, if we have that up, Cody, let me see if I can find it myself. Uh, there is a, a statement from the uh, cast uh, from uh, Zoe, they all posted it. this is off Zoe Saldana's thing, but they all posted it. It's an open letter from the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy to our friend, to our fans and friends. We fully support James Gunn. We were all shocked by his abrupt firing last week and have intentionally waited these ten days to respond in order to think, pray, listen, and discuss. In that time, we've been encouraged by the outpouring of support from fans and members of the media who wish to see James reinstated as director of Volume 3 as well, as discouraged by those so easily duped into believing the many outlandish conspiracy theories surrounding him. Being in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies has been a great honor in each of our lives. We cannot let this moment pass without expressing our love, support, and gratitude for James. We are not here to defend his jokes of many years ago, but rather to share our experience having spent many years together on set making Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. There's more to the letter. Don't want to go on but you can read it there on all of them posted it on their twitters of the main cast they all posted this letter now you two i don't know if you've had enough i don't know if you've had time to talk about it on collider airwaves i don't think you have so i just want to hear your thoughts on this uh coin let's start with you since we had amy starting with fox Disney. i i am so torn uh as a person that really like off-color jokes uh i mean i'm from boston i've heard off-color jokes my whole I mean, life but like <laughs> there's a lot speaking of off-color jokes boston no i'm joking oh, oh, as a new york fan new york and Yankees i have this fan. line right here oh. But oh, it's a sports thing. <laughs> oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Red Sox no, I'm catching up. Yep, life. yep, yep, go on. So it's interesting because, like, off-color jokes, even those have a line. Like, I yeah. find some jokes that other people might find inappropriate funny, but not these. Sure. So there is something to be said about, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if you come out ahead of them, if you apologize, if you make a statement, if you're made, like, if you bring all that up yourself, if you go, if you yourself shine the light on something and go, this was bad, I did this, I'm sorry, before someone else does, that's what you can do to right wrongs. What scares me about this situation is he did everything after doing the horrible, dumb thing right. Yeah. After that dumb thing, he went and, and apologized. He went and made sure that it was clear. He went and did all the things. I'm just afraid this is an opportunity for people not be able to evolve. This, yeah. this For me, for me, and a few people said on the internet and pointed it out, like the arc of Guardians of the Galaxy is, is becoming less of an asshole. And for me, James Gunn has followed that arc. He, he's the rocket raccoon of real life. He's a guy that realizes he's a team player. He's a guy that realizes he does have family. He's a guy that realizes he's not alone in the universe. Mm-hmm. And look at these people. So when he tweeted that he was working for Trump, uh, we, yeah. we had Lloyd Kaufman on this show, and it's the only time I've seen John Schnepp not be able to let go. Like, uh, just seeing, yeah. seeing seeing John, like, try to wrangle that man yeah. was beautiful because Lloyd Kaufman is a, is a tornado of inappropriate. Yep. The man just, like, Tasmanian devils his way through inappropriate jokes. And that was the vibe here. I can't imagine what it's like in The Office. I can't imagine what it's like working on those movies. And that was the environment he was in 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's fair to, to, one, judge a person for their actions 10 years ago if they spent 10 years repairing them. Two, judging a man who's done nothing but make movies that are talking about the very subject matter this is it's about acceptance it's about forgiveness it's about evolving and three marvel is what guardians started now guardians is the corner of the cosmic universe that marvel's evolving into without james gunn that pulse is gone and that really hurts me to lose such an important piece of something uh, because of something he's already apologized for so this hurts me because i 
anyone that's been affected by, by rape or pedophilia or any of those things, I, my heart goes out to you. I can't begin to fathom. So it feels out of school to even say anything like those jokes are fine because they're not fine. But what he did to repair them, I think, is enough to have a conversation. And I th- that's where I, I, I think that's a great point. I think that's the thing about it all, right? And, and this, these are, yeah, they're inappropriate. Just, no one's defending these jokes. His own brother did a whole eight or nine tweet thread really that reading, was yeah. fantastic. Uh, and he admitted all the things about it, nakedly admitted all the things about James when he was younger and all the stuff. And, sh- and spoke eloquently about or tweeted eloquently about his progression as a human being. And that's the sign, right? And you're right. That's, that's the thing. What sign are we sending? What sign is Song of the South Disney sending about the fact that, you know, in the past we can forgive stuff from the past because either A, we didn't know better or we were trying to do things that we thought were cool at the time that they're not. How many of you out there watching us now at 17 or 18 years old tweeted stuff that or, or said stuff to people that was inappropriate and then seven years like, oh, you know what? I didn't see that. Even now with the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement, men are opening their eyes to what women have experienced for centuries and are like going, oh, I didn't even know, you know? And so if we're not having progression and rewarding progression, then what sign are we sending? This isn't a Roseanne situation. Roseanne was completely something else because very current. Yeah. This whole stuff was years ago, and so that's what I, I'm concerned about. Amy, what's your feeling and with this? I love a lot of what you both have said. The, the truth was, the, the, the statements were years ago. Like, I, we mm-hmm. should point out, like, he was already a grown man. He wasn't 17. Fair. He should have known better, mm-hmm. but the thing is that he is not hiding the fact that he should have known better, and he has been learning better independent, like, before someone like fired him like it's not fake contrition as far as we can tell uh and it it is tough Mm -hmm. because i want to live in a world where actions have consequences uh there are certain things that if dug up about someone's past would make me reconsider their current work if like you know wildly racist tweets uh from the past you'd have to very much convince me that you had changed as a person Mm -hmm. but that's the thing it's it's it is those intervening years. It is that like there has to be room for are you changing as a person? And the the truth is that to a certain extent, James Gunn took some of those older ways of thinking and they are in the films. But I feel convinced by his brother's account that less so as they go. Mm-hmm. You get certain things in the films of like jokes about disability, uh, jokes like Drax calling Gamora a whore, which doesn't even make sense oh, in his right. literal brain. Right. It's just vestiges of that outlook, which mm-hmm. and, and it's like. I'm a nerd. I grew up on the internet. I assumed that I would never live in a world where we could all just agree that rape jokes aren't funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I, get, I didn't think that was ever going to be possible. Like, and I'm glad that we can all agree that they aren't funny now, but the truth is, if Disney had an issue with that, they maybe shouldn't have hired him. Mm-hmm. If Disney... Ha- like, it, it's... it's it, I don't like that it's coming up now. I don't like that that they are successfully rewarding a bad faith campaign at this time in this way. Uh, I think that if they, for instance, if they tended to agree that some of that viewpoint got into the films, then they should have noticed at the script stage. Like, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I, so I'm very conflicted on this. uh, And I'm, I do think you should seek out Sean Gunn's statement. I thought it was very moving. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I also find it very classy that, that James and Sean have both sort of been like, we accept this outcome, Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not the the rest of us choose to do so. (laughs) Um, I, I, because, you know, these are complicated situations, uh, but it does seem like he's trying to not be that guy anymore. And I think that is what we should want. Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm not cut and dried is I agree. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't something that I had a statement on. This isn't something that I came in like, this is how I feel. And it's really interesting that 
I am affected by those tweets even from 10 years ago in a way that I'm like, I don't know how I would necessarily if I was on a judge-like situation. So it's a really hard situation all around. So I yeah. love that James is – all of his statements have been like, I apologize. This is where I stand. I'm sorry. I get it. And, yeah. and that's really mature, especially compared to someone that was clearly so immature. And yeah. I do think that it is important to distinguish situations like this. Uh, as I, I feel like everyone knows this, but it's worth saying it is important to distinguish situations like this – from situations where you have, like, actively caused harm yes, to a specific yeah, person yes. who is out there, like, being affected by your continued employment. Right. That's, and that's the thing. These, these were jokes. These were not actions, mm -hmm. right? And there's, there's a difference here. And, but I think you bring up great points, Amy, this idea of the rape jokes, Gamora stuff. Like, I didn't even think about that. And you're right. And I didn't laugh when it happened. I remember feeling a twinge of, like, Ugh, in the movie theater I mean, when he made the joke. it just stood out because it but didn't it, make sense of course, to the character. And that's and why it stood Strax out. is lovable all the time. Yeah. So it's easy to, to overlook. Yeah. But it, it's, it's I, you know, I... I don't want that level of pickiness to get conflated. Like, these, yeah. these, these ideas really do matter to yes. me. They really do. But that doesn't mean that I think that this was the appropriate action. And it's important. Like, I got to somehow hold on to both of those. Yeah, <laughs> I, and you should. Absolutely. <laughs> well, what I, what I, and, you know, just to say one thing about the letter here is it also says, each of us looks forward to working with our friend James Gunn. James, again, in the future. His story isn't over, not by a long shot. Both, and all, all. Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, Michael Rooker, Plum, uh, Plum Clement, Clement, Clementioff, I hope I get that right. Sean Gunn and Bradley Cooper all signed this letter. Um, what do you think Kevin Feige is thinking? Of this is this is what I want to bring up. Now, if this was Feige, there's no way they fire that guy overnight. Why is this happening? Is there something going on behind the scenes between Disney and James Gunn that was building between them? Because mm. I had heard rumors that James Gunn was being difficult uh, to work with for Volume Three because he felt he was feeling more powerful in the situation as One and Two were received so well. Uh, but then I heard from a couple of friends of mine in the industry this uh, t this weekend that Disney it's Disney was being uh, Disney had messed with Volume Two too much, and so James that's why Gunn was pushing back because he uh, wanted to keep the vibe of One because some people didn't like Volume Two. He wanted go back to the vibe of one for three so there was bad so these are rumors i don't know for sure but i have friends who work in the industry are close to these close to these situations they tell me things and so i don't know what the truth is but is this interesting that overnight he was fired it's such a quick move that he wasn't given time to process or think about it or, or you know, if this was the russos no way this is overnight if this is feige there's no way it's overnight so what is it about the james gunn situation that specifically caused disney to act so quickly any thoughts? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. It might be that while this sort of, while the jokes that involved pedophilia were among the most obviously just jokes of the, the, mm -hmm. the things he said, it, it might be that they were like, we run a theme park, we can't. Okay. I don't know. That's I don't fair. know if that's enough. I don't know if they're like, mm -hmm. you know, it, there's... There's already people out there with conspiracy theories about Disneyland covering up for things because, of course, there are. Right. Because that's how people's brains work. Right. Um, and it, so it might be that, that that specifically is something that they're like, our lawyers will not let us proceed. But mm. that's also, I don't know, it, that it still feels a little extreme. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
it came out of nowhere to a point that like that was the talk of Comic Con, mm-hmm. and that was really jarring that Marvel wasn't there, but Marvel was there by yeah, the negativity. Of course, like it was really interesting that there was nothing to talk about MCU, and then oh wait, there's everything to talk about. So it was really interesting that like James Gunn was there for a Sony panel. James Gunn mm-hmm. was in San Diego about to go on Hall H for something unrelated, oh, yeah. and they fired him right before. Like all of it just seems really harshly timed, like like a like a very um, spiteful move. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's interesting. There's rumors are around because yeah. to me it feels like an attack, not a firing. Right. So that's what's curious about the the timing, the situation. He just finished writing the script. Mm-hmm. He worked on it for like three or four years. His his Twitter and Instagram were always like toiling away and yeah. like the man loves these characters the and loves this world. Is very... The suddenness like, we hadn't heard a single rumor, like, there was a big enough rumor yeah. that there was problems in Denmark, you know? Like, yeah. we, and now all of a sudden it's, it's over. So it doesn't yeah. seem right. Whatever happens going forward, I understand both sides to a point. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. It's 363 or 365,000 signatures now on the change.org petition to bring James Gunn back. They're trying to get to 500,000. I'm not sure if it's going to make any difference. I think the cast letter is really powerful. Do they come back? Do they want to come back? Do they hold out It's interesting because it's like, surely Disney needs them to promote the next part of the movie. Exactly. I, I'm 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 surprised that like this conversation is taking place in public where it's like mm-hmm. surely you all have ongoing working relationships my my we're cool with the bench of spoilers right my my sure, dearly yeah. <laughs> uh my my dearly held like no 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 obviously gamora is gonna come popping out and be back and i'm like well now i don't know <laughs> i was like well karen and bradley cooper are in the movies oh, still what is how this, this is why they forward? wiped them all out huh? <laughs> just in three eh? over again. you're gonna bring stallone in you sons of <laughs> so, uh anyway let's move on uh, uh to uh comic-con uh we real quickly we want to talk about um uh, all the stuff that was there trailers and footage for shazam aquaman wonder woman 84 Bumblebee, Venom, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So much happened. Uh, Koi, what stood out for you? What's like, what was your favorite uh, from this? Uh, of those, uh, yeah. I think Spider-Verse. Uh, yeah. Spider-Verse and Shazam are really close to each other. Uh, Spider-Verse was... So Spider-Verse won because the expectations were high and then it met them. Right. Shazam did great because expectations were really high, but I knew nothing. So like right. I'd seen Spider-Verse and I love that they were like, save it for Comic-Con. And then they did like in their trailer for the public, they mm-hmm. teased Comic-Con being a reveal and then they did it. And I love Spider-Verse is so meta that they had a meta Easter egg and then revealed it. Like that's so many layers yeah. of like, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, like it really worked. And the, and the trailer felt like. Every every five years or so, animations like we did something animations never done before. You've never seen, and usually it's like a gimmick. I'd never seen anything like Spider Verse. Right. I'd never seen anything like that trailer. Watching that trailer was like, oh, I don't know how they knew what I read comics like, and this is amazing. Like it felt yeah. like I just dove into Ditko coloring and experienced a comic book. And I love the cast. The, uh, the Shamik Moore on stage felt like Miles Morales. Yeah, uh, I was in the panel and, and being like seeing Shamik Moore, I was like, oh, Ma- Miles. Mar- oh, that's oh no, he's he's a voice, and it just felt right. And then Spider Ham reveal is I gosh. love <laughs> Peter Porker, such a great character. Oh my gosh! And then John Mulaney playing. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. And then the Nick Cage moment. Like that for me, uh, for me, that was like John being in Hall H, like hearing Nick Cage uh, was really important to me. Um, So there were so many moments that were just like, oh, in that trailer. And then Shazam is a complete like with DC. It's bright. It's colorful. It's wacky. It's self-aware. There's Superman, Batman, Watchmen Easter eggs in it. There's so much going on in that trailer. And the whole time it's Zach Levi runs Nerd HQ. Zach Levi is one of us. Mm -hmm. He gets to play one of us. Like seeing Zach. Like Levi running around in that giant super suit and like throwing people like I'm a superhero. 
was just delightful. Yeah. Like, seeing how happy that man is playing that role makes me so excited for the movie. I'm so excited for DC going forward because that was their big, hey, look what we did, and that was more than I expected. So th- those are my two wins because one is, one is I believe in animation as a major theatrical push, and I believe in the DCU going yeah. forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the animation in Spider-Verse I'd never seen before. And by the way, I purposely didn't watch any trailers for Spider-Verse until I got to Comic-Con. Oh, cool. So for me, that was my first experience oh, to it wonderful. all. wonderful. Yeah, I stayed off the trailer reactions here at Collider. I didn't talk. I just, I was stayed, I was like just stealthily out of it. And then <laughs> when I got to Comic-Con, I got to watch the whole thing, and it was incredible. And Spider-Ham, all of that was incredible. And hearing Nick Cage's voice, you're right. But also the story of Peter Parker and Morales. Like, that's the thing that I found really interesting about a lot of these trailers. They had a heart a child's heart to almost all of them. And that, I think, is going to be the difference that separates them from some of these comic movies that have come before. There's going to be, there seems to be more of a desire to show this, like, childlike uh, uh, joy about the world again. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that that's coming through. And Shazam did that in spades. I mean, essentially big in, in the suit, and you're right. <laughs> and there's and there was such a, and they had, did a, just a deft way of referencing the Justice League that we might see that cameo, that Superman cameo with Henry Cavill. We might see a new Batman jumping in there. We might see, who knows, but there's Wonder Woman logo and the Watchmen stuff. So all of it is there to enjoy. Amy, what did you uh, like coming out? Uh, I had a favorite thing I saw and a favorite thing I didn't see. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, but it was because I, like, I'm just assuming uh, that had I, because I don't know how to get into Hall H other than staying overnight, and I can't do that. Um, uh, so I was not at uh, the Wonder Woman 84 panel. Oh, yeah, right. So I'm pretty sure that had I been there, we're just going to assume that any frames of Wonder Woman 84 would have been the best thing at Comic-Con. And so the best thing at Comic-Con was that there is footage and that movie is coming. Um, and I choose to believe that Wonder Woman is currently saving the world because she believes in love, and that's why we're getting trailers with heart that's not a real theory but uh, let's go with it uh, and then my uh like uh, i i love everything you've said spider-verse looks amazing mm. shazam looks really fun uh i do i feel bad for folks who love other versions of that character because this isn't that right but i think he's going to be an incredibly satisfying one version of that character yeah. um uh and like you know it was charming uh and i loved the aquaman trailer yes yeah, I, I, I have been uh, team. I'm just hoping this underwater adventure works for the entirety of this process. Um, and and I'm very excited. Uh, he's a prince. <laughs> it's, there's an underwater city. He's going to have an adventure. That's what I want. Yeah. And um, the extra footage that showed of the Aquaman was even more incredible than the trailer. Like the trailer was good. The footage was incredible. Yes. Like it was so much better than the trailer that I was like, "Oh man, y'all don't even know." Like people, <laughs> people talk about, going, "Oh, the trailer was okay." It was kind. Of, y'all don't even know. Like <laughs> there's so much coming. I could not believe it. You know, I could. It wasn't a secret trailer. It was just four minutes of extra footage, and it, it, it they prefaced it like a trailer. But then you in the, and you're just like, "Holy crap!" Like it's going to be in, incredible. There's more with Manta. There's so much more, obviously, with Patrick Wilson's character, and there's more with Alana. So that to me uh, gets me excited as well, and so there's just there's just so much to dance around. I, but I will say this uh, before we, we wrap up because we got to jump into minor mutations. The idea DC won this Comic Con mm-hmm. with their presentations. What struck me next is Green Lantern Corps. Is this coming up next with what Jeff Johns is doing? And now that confidence is coming back into this with Shazam, with if Aquaman does well, Shazam does well, Wonder Woman 84 obviously is going to do well. If all that gets cemented and we get news about Batman and Green Lantern Corps starts to get done, are we a few years away from Spectre? 
and all these kinds of possibilities all of a sudden started dancing around in my head. Dr. Fate, all these things just like, oh, there's, if Marvel can do it, DC can do it. If they can jump into their obscure characters, why not? And, and kind of troubling characters, why not? Let's do this. And so for the first time walking out of Comic-Con, I had this stupid grin on my face after the DC panel going, there's possibilities finally, and, and no anger, you know? The pulse of Comic-Con was different this year. Yeah. The yeah. actual investment, like a couple, yeah. you know, a couple of presentations excluded. Overall, every creative team felt so invested. Yeah. Every creative team felt in love with the property, felt in love with the fans. Yeah. All the actors felt like they were the characters. The main thing I got out of this Comic-Con was it felt like Comic-Con again. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was so in love with comics and people and yeah. fans, and, and it was just... It was a different pulse. You walked around, you just felt that Comic-Con vibe. And after every single one of these panels, I was like, I've seen magic today. Like, it always <laughs> felt like a new... It, it just felt like Comic-Con again. It didn't yeah. feel like Pop Culture Con. And I really appreciate the direction it feels like it's going. Yep. I do have to shout out one more yeah. Comic-Con thing. Uh, you've got to... Some of these panels, the descriptions, go look into the history ones. If you didn't make it to a bunch of these, uh, some, some of them have been recorded and are available online. Mm-hmm. And one of them that isn't yet released, but I hope they're going to release the recording of, uh, the best panel, bar none, that I saw at Comic-Con was with Joy Murchison Kelly, a name I had never heard until Friday night. Uh, It turns out she was William Moulton Marston's assistant and helped write and then sometimes just straight up wrote three and a half years of Wonder Woman comics in the 1940s. Wow. And just nobody knew. Uh, So they honored her at the Eisners, and then she did her first Comic-Con panel ever wow. on Saturday and she was just an adorable little old lady being like I think he'd be really happy to see all these gals out doing their thing and I was like I'm not, I can't know this this is too wonderful so yeah Comic Con is magic yeah yep yep yes it was agreed. a good year it was really agreed. special it was in an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, Collider fans, John Roca here. A brand new season of the critically acclaimed animated series, The Venture Brothers, is almost here. Featuring Hank, Dean, Rusty, Brock, The Monarch, Dr. Mrs. The Monarch, 21, OSI, The Guild of Calamitous Intent, Billy Quizboy, Pete White, and several other characters you made your own costumes for. Watch Team Venture attempt to save their frozen butts from the icy chill of organized villainy. Laugh along as America's favorite family of super scientists collides with the inescapable agents of their downfall. And learn along with the boys on brand new adventures like college, jobs, dating, and other skills you can't learn in your sleep. Created and directed by Jackson Public, written and executive produced by Public and Doc Hammer. 
It premieres Sunday, August 5th at midnight on Adult Swim. Now, everyone with me, go Team Venture! We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Uh, there have been some minor mutations here. I'll run through them, and then we'll talk about uh, what we want to talk about. Robert De Niro, uh, it was reported by The Hollywood Reporter that Robert De Niro is in talks to join the Joaquin Phoenix The Joker movie. He, he will supposedly play some sort of talk show host or something like that if he seals the deal. Francis Conroy was also uh, in negotiations to play The Joker's mom. Uh, please don't do the Rob Zombie thing. And the other thing is uh, Jeff Johns addressed uh, the uh, F Batman line that was in the Titans trailer that everyone was a little upset about. Also, unfortunately, Anna Diop disabled comments on her Instagram because of fans and their racist attacks about her playing Starfire. Uh, there are rumors that started circulating. Uh, we got this from revengeofthefans.com. A rumor circle that Matt Reeves, the Batman, will focus on Batman Year One. Is this a wise choice? Didn't we see that in Batman Begins? How much of Muzzicelli stuff is going to be transferred over? And will it be a straight-up adaptation, which would be awesome? Uh, Cloak and Dagger director Gina Price-Blythewood is also tackling the old guard for Skydance. I couldn't be happier about this uh, because the old guard is so... And so to hear to see Gina Price like moving from silver and black to kind of focus on this, it seems like this is actually going to happen maybe over silver and black at this point. Uh, I'm happy that she's on board with this. All right, all right. So those those are the uh, one, two, three, four things I want to talk about. What are their thoughts? What jumps out of either one of you guys? Netflix is on a comic book buying spree. Yeah, yes. uh, they're doing exciting uh, stuff, uh, and and these announcements look really cool. We know we have Umbrella Academies like on its way, mm-hmm. um, but I hadn't sort of noticed for some reason. This is the one that pinged where I was like, oh right, they bought Miller World, they did Umbrella Academy. They're like IP wise, they're like give it to me, <laughs> uh, and and I'm excited to see it. Gina Prince Blythewood has done really interesting work. Yeah, uh, I love Greg Greca and everything he does, but Greg Greca and Leandro Fernandez, I hadn't actually read Old Guard yet. I'm oh, glad yeah. to hear. Unsurprised that it's amazing because I've never read anything by him I didn't love. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm. This is a really cool, exciting announcement for me uh, because they are looking to like in the realm realm of comic book movies. There is a lot, as we're always saying, outside the big mm-hmm. two, uh, and they clearly know that, uh, and that's exciting. And also, Anna Diop looks great as Starfire. You're all crazy. Yeah, you're all crazy. Well, Olgar, real quick, tells of a group of soldiers led by a woman named Andy who are inexplicably immortal and have been working as mercenaries through the ages. The group gets a jolt in their bones when they discover the existence of a new immortal, a black woman serving in the Marines, at the same time as a nefarious organization captures their undying actions on camera. So there's so much to play with here. Uh, Coy, what stood up for you? I agree. Netflix running the game like Extreme Comics with Rob mm-hmm. Liefeld and so many of the 90s comics that I never thought would see plus the indie comics of today. There's a lot going on over there and it's smart because Netflix sees serialized content. They go, oh, we, we make serialized content. Uh, I also, I, I had a D-up look she was one of the best parts of the trailer. Yeah, I know. Like, in the trailer of highs and lows, yeah. she was a high. So it was really weird that, like, I, the F Batman line, real silly to me. And but if you're 17 <laughs> and probably you're like, oh, man, yeah, Robin is mad. But Don't like, tweet that out, Robin. You guys apologize that years, four years from now. If I, you totally, that out, yeah. I totally get 
some people liking it. Yeah. I totally don't see curb stomping Batman as something I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, like that Robin stop moment, I was like, what is happening? Like it was, the, it was one of the first times along with Runaways when I identified with the parents more than the kids where I was like, I'm an <laughs> old comic fan. But like it was a moment that I was like, oh, I'm sure that's for some people, just not for me. She wasn't. She was awesome. Oh, yeah. And like the way they did her hair and her skin, like everything looked so alien and powerful and cool. So I had a... I was really upset because I walked out of that going like, yes, that'll show the people that are mad at Starfire. And then it wasn't like, yeah. I was so excited for that to be like, look, they did Starfire. And now you guys can't be upset. Why? Yeah. And that's such but a bummer that she had to, you know, change her social media for that. So yeah. that's a bummer. But De Niro in a Robin movie. Yeah. I mean, in a Joker movie. Right. De Niro in Joker is, is that shows that they're investing in character actors and in real actors they're investing in the script that the small budget can yield a lot of beautiful results mm-hmm. if you make this movie for like the 30 or 50 million or whatever it's rumored at and have the best actors in the game yeah what better way to get comic fans excited than by casting someone like de niro like this is i get more and more excited for this joker movie all the time every announcement it sounds better yeah. and and the idea of a killing joke contained small piece of cinema um on the other side year one is Batman begins to a point. Yeah. But if they do a literal direct adaptation, that is the only way I could see an origin working again. Yeah. So it's, and we it's get more really with tricky. Gordon. We'll get more with Gordon mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. conflicts he had with his wife and the cheating on his wife and all the stuff with, uh, God, what was his name? The guy with the bat, his partner, ah, F something. Um, I forget what his uh, name is. Frack. He's yeah. played like a big rat yeah. guy. Flask. Yeah. Thank you. Flask, man, that whole sequence in year one is fantastic. And so you get, it's, it is Batman year one, but it's also James Gordon year one. And so <laughs> that's what's so great about that series. So if they go that route, I, I would be excited to see a straight up adaptation going that It'd be route. More ensemble, if yeah. Batman Begins is more linear. Yeah. If they're focusing on sort of the like rooting out police corruption as the argument for why there has to be a Batman, as to argument for why Gotham is unique, as the argument for like, there's, there's a lot of fertile ground yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that like, you know, you can still play liberally. I'm sure they will make a lot of changes from it. Mm-hmm. But if you're sort of that sort of if you're just matching the mission of it, like there's only one Dave Masicelli, as you yeah. uh, implied. But yeah, like right. he's like, if you're telling me you're inspired by him, then I approve of you. Well, then we can offer <laughs> Gotham cake and eat it, too. Like I thought yeah. Gotham was going to turn into year one. Yeah. I thought by like season five, it was going to be year one because I thought it was going to be police focused. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be those things. That's not the way Gotham went. Right. It went much more wacky. But if we get this movie that direction, we can have that Gotham thing. And a lot of people wanted that procedural because yeah. that'd be an interesting different take on the Batman. Well, I think that's what was lost with God. the GCP is such a great series. Yeah. It was Gotham such Central. a right. Yeah. It was such a great series that I thought Gotham was going to become that too. Mm-hmm. And when it started, especially when it cast Donald Logue and that yeah. kid, I was like, oh, this is going to be darker. And and then it wasn't. And and so uh, and the Titans thing is interesting. I, I I didn't like the trailer too much. I thought it was a little too dark. And I was like, I thought DC's moving away from that yeah. to see it bleed into the TV series. I was really shocked by this. But maybe they're doing this to get the attention. Maybe this does appeal to kids or this generation that's going to be doing the streaming service that's into this kind of stuff. I don't know. Jeff John said that the trailer shows a piece of the tone of the show the show is not all that in terms of him saying f batman but it does make you go why is he saying f batman if you look at when robin first left batman in the comics there was a lot of uneasiness and him being lost titans is really serious about these different characters they're all lost in their lives just like the greatest comic book titans run ever by marv wolfman and george prez it's about all these lost characters finding one another and they're all struggling with something and robin is, cl- is clearly struggling with his past with batman so there's something there, obviously. So it's a way to get attention. Maybe it's not the best attention you want, but now you've got our attention. What do you bring into the table? So for me, that that's what I want to see come out. And the dinner thing makes sense to me overall because Scorsese's involved. Mm-hmm. Todd Phillips uh, bringing in Joaquin. Joaquin 
just that that just immediately gets the actors to come towards it, and the fact that it's not going to be a three picture deal that they're doing their thing, and it's a it's a, it's a in essence could be a one off. Why not go and have some fun here? Yeah? I am surprised, but like, like I, I'm on board. I, yeah. I don't know when that exactly happened. It was either Joaquin <laughs> or today with De Niro. But I had been sort of dragging my feet about like because there were multiple rumored Joker pro- mm-hmm. projects. Because I've been like, look at the rest of your DC universe and how wonderful it is. I was sort of resisting the idea. But like, am I going to show up to see Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro do a, a interpretation of the Gotham mythos? Yes, of course I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's not one of my most anticipated trailers. I can't wait for the first shot we see of that movie. I can't wait to see anything of Joaquin as the Joker. I'm now so, like, waiting for it. And I hadn't thought of that with the, the F Batman line. Yeah. That was the talk of Comic-Con. Yeah, I heard that said so many, like, walking mm-hmm. through crowds, you just heard F Batman, F Batman. Yeah. So, like, I guess they kind of hashtag the con. Like, yeah. they kind of, like, planted <laughs> the seed of, like, that editor's either a, a genius or a madman, but it worked. Well, and it's tough, because we know that they were doing it for attention, and we are giving mm. them the attention, but we're kind of not, it's not necessarily positive, but it is totally working. I'm relieved by Jeff Johns' statement that mm-hmm. this is not the whole tone of the show. Right. And, and like, you know, I have rolled with a lot of stuff from my comic book thing, so I'm probably going to roll with this. But <laughs> I tend to agree with your, your general, like, I'm sort of surprised by the direction, but I hope that it's a huge hit with the people they're trying to find. Yeah, DC, DC ruled this thing, both TV and film, this whole con. So there's something to be said. And, and yeah, it's the unfortunate situation with Starfire, uh, with Andy Diop. It, it's just so unnecessary. She's an orange-skinned alien. It's an orange-skinned alien. Like, what are you arguing about? Like, what, what do you think? Like, what is? Like, I just don't understand that logic at all. And how many times is the fandom going to drive out these really strong female characters from being in these films or turning off their social media? We keep seeing the Rose, Rose uh, Tran. You know, that happened with Kelly Marie Tran yeah. uh, and and uh, Daisy Ridley as well. So it's like, guys, like. Can lay off it. Like, just lay off it. Let let us enjoy this. Let us watch. Let us do things. What does it matter? BuzzFeed compiled these uh, uh, these comments. If you want to go and like, hate humanity, go and read it. But I, I just think it's so unnecessary because, you know, the thing that I wrote about a year ago for the tracking board was, like, this fandom was built from being abused by the cool kids. It was not being cool. Sitting with friends, uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons, talking comic books, like, hiding contraband in the basement and train and talking and, and exchanging i remember my first experience of comic books was reading in the back of a of a comic book shop with a bunch of other dudes reading dark knight returns that was my first experience with comics because you didn't do that out loud you didn't go in the parking lot you didn't go in the it isn't like you guys have nowadays this generation they do it in the middle of the school lunch they don't care <laughs> we couldn't do that no. you couldn't wear comic book shirts to school you get in so much trouble, you get beat up and so i don't understand how the fandom that was built from abuse from from uh being treated cruelly can turn into this fandom that is turning that abuse towards people of color doing certain things or women doing certain things during roles. God help you if you're both. Yeah, I got happy exactly. So to me, it just I just I feels like it undercuts the whole point of what the nerd geek community was supposed to be about. Why we found a community with each other because we felt excluded or excommunicated from being the cool kids. So I I, I don't know. So so if you're doing it, please stop doing it. Let let people live and breathe and work and do what they're going to do. The result, criticize the result. Don't criticize the actor for their race or their color or their gender. Like for God's sakes, let's be better. I'm just saying. That's me. All right. Can we just take a moment? Yeah, that was, was beautiful. I really was it, thank is, you. I'm, okay. Is it? The moral compass of your character should reflect the choices you make. All of the characters you're following and loving are making better choices about being better people. What yeah. are you doing? What are you like, doing? How, how are exactly. you going like, wait a second, was Hal Jordan right when he became a dictator? No. <laughs> Hal Jordan was right when he was Green Lantern. Exactly. Perhaps act like Hal 
in the good days. Yeah, like, like, it's right there, guys. Exactly. Very good point. <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah. Let's move on to some Twitter questions. Oh, no, let's move on to the comic book pull list. Yes. Um, I don't know if we'll get to Twitter questions. We'll see. We're running out of time. Oh, and now I know what it's like. Jesus, John, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, John Schnapper. Anything I ever said. Uh, that very whiteboard is walking by. <laughs> it's over. I see. I just saw him smirk from behind the camera. <laughs> With the mat, with the whiteboard. Anyway, uh, all right, let's go to these two are the massive comic book readers, current comic book readers, and of course, Amy working uh, at House of Secrets. So, please uh, take us through this comic book pull list. Who wants to start? Uh, are we starting from the top or the bottom? Excellent. Here we go. There I'm going to start with a shout out for uh, a really special issue shipping this week. Uh, I believe it came out like a month ago in England, but it's imported and it's on our list this week, so we're calling it this week the 2000 AD Summer Special. Uh, comes out this Wednesday in U.S. shops. Uh, 2000 AD, of course, is the legendary line of British comics mm. uh, where a ton of the talent that you know cut their teeth. Um, it's the home of Judge Dredd. It's the home of Rogue Trooper, uh, oh, soon Rogue to be Trooper. a Rogue major Jones. motion picture from yeah. Duncan Jones, uh, as recently revealed, quite recently, right? Uh, yes. He just teased that. Yeah. Uh, to get comic book movies. Um, <laughs> this issue is uh, extra special because for the first time in the like 40-odd year history of of 2000 AD, uh, all of the creative teams on this issue are female. Oh. Um, so a ton... Editor, writer, inker, like everyone. I'm not sure about the editors, but I think everybody else. It's amazing. Uh, uh, And it's just neat. Like, women have contributed to 2000 AD before, but Mm -hmm. it's pretty safe to say that this particular thing has never happened, although I'm... You know, you could probably find some issues that were all dudes, so don't worry. It's being fair. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to read this. A lot of great contributors to it. Uh, A lot of 2000 AD madness coming your way. What's next? Uh, Mr. Miracle was delayed a couple weeks, uh, so this is one that I've been really waiting on because I was like, okay, it's coming, and then it got pushed, and I was like, no! Uh, Tom <laughs> King is beloved or hated, depending on who you talk about with Batman, but everyone that dislikes or loves Batman loves Mr. Miracle. Mm-hmm. It's consistent love. This book has been so good. It arguably is one of the things that got me into reading so much more DC. Uh, Mr. Miracle is so smart. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, sister piece to Vision, which I also love. Uh, I really appreciate how dense and smart the book is like when you read this book like you you don't just flip through like mr miracle is not a book you just like casually enjoy it is a it is a a, a, an experience (laughs) and it's always so by the time i'm finished i'm exhausted but i feel better i just i i love tom king's writing and i love batman personally i personally like tom king's batman i think is on par with snyder and on par with frank miller i love his batman but Mr. Miracle is a go-to if anyone doesn't know what to read. It's it's one of the ones I just give out. Mm-hmm. They're like this is and it's only 10 issues in. So it's it's accessible if you haven't read comics in a while, Mr. Miracle 1 through 10, 10 just dropped. It won't kill you to hunt back those 9 issues. It's so good and so consistent. The art by Mitch Gerards and the covers by Nick Darrington have been incredible. Uh if you if you're looking for validation, Tom King was the co-winner in a astonishing in a tie for the Eisner Award for Best Writer this year. That's amazing. Um, which led to one of my just side note, one of my other favorite con moments was watching presenter Nichelle Nichols ah. who we all gave a massive standing ovation for because of course uh, st- read the nominations and be like, Tom King is nominated for Mr. Miracle, Batman and <laughs> Batman Elmer Fudd? <laughs> 
watching her be like, like yep, that's comics. That's what, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a glorious. So he co-won it with Marjorie Liu, the creator, uh, co-creator with Sana Takeda of Monstrous. Oh, um, they were the big winners at the Eisner's this year. But uh, Tom King and Marjorie Liu won Best Writer. Pick up Mr. Miracle. Yes, please. I love it so much. And then uh, our third pick was uh, a bit selfish on my part. I, uh, <laughs> Deadpool. Oh, how did a Deadpool comic slide <laughs> in this thing? I wonder. What happened? <laughs> uh, if you love the Deadpool movies, Deadpool, the new run, it's on issue three, is so much the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. There's so many different iterations of Deadpool. There's so many different styles of Deadpool. The art is the Deadpool movie suit. The the, the writing is the Deadpool flavor. Negasonic is mm. Brand Hildebrand. Negasonic is his like man in the chair, but it's Negasonic. So Negasonic's like at the office, like being you know Yankee and like dealing with this stuff, but like texting and annoying. And it's it's Brand. Like, oh no, that's Brienne wonderful. Made her way to the comics. So yeah. even people that don't love the Deadpool comics. Should check well, it out. I mean, I don't hate. I just even make, this makes me. But it's the perfect feelings. bridge for me because, like, <laughs> uh, Amy and I have had so many conversations about Deadpool. This is an arc you can enjoy because it's it's very accessible. It's very the movie. It's very fun, but it's also it's all of the rights issues gone. It starts with the Avengers. Deadpool one is the full scope of world domination, and all of the Avengers have to turn to Deadpool to save them. So <laughs> this book is not only great; it also kind of represents the Fox Marvel Disney merger because it's exactly what we might get. So it's three issues in. Do a treatise on the metatextual themes of Scotty oh, Young's death. Yeah, and it also references that in the comic. There's so many fourth wall breaks talking about the merger going on. Like it's oh it's such a good book. It's so aware of itself, and it's a really fun read. So check out Deadpool three and one and two. And next up is Paper Girls. Uh, I'm curious, has this been optioned yet? Is it too crazy Ooh. and out there to be, like, because this seems like prime on the buying spree. Um, this is Brian Vaughn and Cliff Chang's insane sci-fi time travel epic that starts with an adorable, like, 80s Spielberg girls on bikes delivering papers and then just goes like, <laughs> like brain exploding meme. That's what this book is. Um, and Cliff Chang, like, it, it wouldn't, I, Brian Vaughn is one of my favorite writers, but it really wouldn't matter. I'd be reading Cliff Chang anyway. Um, he's so good. He is uh, the artist who, with Brian Azzarello, did a run on Wonder Woman, which was considered very influential for the color palette and cinematographers. Name checked oh. it. Um, I mean, his colorists deserve credit for that as well. I wish I could remember who it was. Um, but uh, yeah, Cliff Chang, Brian Vaughn, Paper Girls, indie comics that are uh, massively experimental and fun and and doing things you're not seeing anywhere else this that you can only do in comics until somebody puts the money down and makes a movie yeah, I think this is the next one's getting adapted. Brian K. Vaughn's everywhere, and it deserves it, and it's real good. And indie comics need more love, so I love that Paper Girls is doing well. You hear it talked about everywhere. Yeah. And the last one on our pull list, Immortal Hulk is a horror comic from a mainstream distributor about the Hulk. It is a straight-up horror comic. I didn't know what to expect. Really? It is a full oh. pulp 20s horror comic that happens to have Bruce Banner in it. It is, it is dark. It is twisted. It's... Uh, some of the issues are one-off, some are one-two punches, but none. it's not an overarching story. It, it has almost that TV show flavor where he's a wandering banner, so it allows <laughs> you to have completely isolated stories that feel like there's an arc, but you don't have to read them all. Mm-hmm. So I really like this book because it's really accessible, it's really different. I would have never thought of the Hulk as a horror comic, but since they've made him immortal, they were like, well, we've done everything else with the Hulk. He's been around for 60 years, what can we do? What if he's a, a demon come back from the dead because he can't die, but he wants to die? And it's Banner practically suicidal, dealing with the ramifications of the big guy not being able to bite it. So it's a book oh. of, of Jacqueline Hyde meets horror, meets pulp, wow. and it's so different, and it's such a great book that I don't hear enough buzz about. And it's, it's only a few issues in, and I was not expecting to be 
the Hulk to be so high in my pull list every week. So wow. it's something All special, right. and, it, and it's like nothing I've read for Marvel in, in years. Damn. Well, there you go. Fantastic. Five great comics for you to check out if you haven't checked them out yet, or an ongoing series for you to dive into. If you, especially as Mortal Hulk. Jesus, that sounds incredible. Like, there's only four issues yeah. in. So, yeah, jump in now. Jump in now. I wish Comixology would just issue these things immediately when they drop. What am I paying my money for? Anyway, <laughs> right, let's move on real quickly. These Twitter questions. Um, Cheeto Putin, at... Cheeto Putin. Let's wait for the graph to come out because I don't want to get in trouble with Cody. <laughs> there we go. Name a few new characters that have not been announced you guys think we will see in Phase 4 of the MCU. Ooh, characters yeah. who haven't been announced that you think yeah. we'll see. Uh, not counting the Fox characters, um, which we all hope right. are coming. Uh, I would love, like... She-Hulk, figure it out. Yeah. Yes. Um, do like I know there's probably rights issues, but uh, like TV movies do do something. She's sitting there and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey. Cassie Lang. Oh, uh, I think well, we're I think we're. I mean, she's old. in it. But I think we'll get her. I think there's gonna be a big enough time jump. We get Young Avengers. Young Avengers. I think oh, Young yeah. Avengers are coming. Billy I think. And Teddy. I think that's the big. So yeah, she's in mm-hmm. it. But I think as the proper Young Avengers team, mm-hmm. I just think she's their gateway. And I think how important she was in Ant Man and the Wasp, and how incredible that actress was. I think that really ties in. Like she was a bigger character than just the daughter element. So I think that's coming. And I also think Moon Knight because. Yeah. People have been yelling for so long. Yeah. It's I, it, Netflix would have done it by now if they could have. I right. feel like there's a blockage for a reason. I feel like I feel like Marvel's like holding it close to the chest. I think I think yep. Moon Knight's coming. I want West Coast Avengers. I want Wonder Man. Wonder Man deserves to be, for God's sakes, Wonder Man. <laughs> it's just so perfect. And I'd like to audition for it. All right, so here we go. Uh, next question from Jimmy at James Barnabe. Barnabe or Barnabe, I don't know. If you were rebooting the X-Men films, what lineup of characters would you use and who would their antagonist be? Oh. Right. Well, that's a good, 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 tough question. That's a good question. Yeah, I like the storm angle with uh, leading the team with Scott, with Gene. Uh, and Beast uh, and Colossus. I like Colossus because Colossus has never gotten a fair shake in any of the X-Men films. Nope. And he's great in Deadpool, but he's still played for laps. Colossus has a very deep, serious story that was connection to his sister and how overprotective he is and what, has ha- what happens with her and what happens in their relationship as she becomes more of a, a powerful mutant. And so I feel like Colossus is always undone. Like, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? The, the, the runt of the litter in this, so to speak, because he doesn't get enough attention in the films, but he's great in the comics. Poor Colossus and Jubilee are like, well, we were in oh, yeah. several. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Credits, I don't think credits, that counts. Credits, eh? Uh, yeah. I would do uh, a kind of a bait and switch. Uh, we've seen the X-Men as the core team, but never the original five in proper form. Good point. So I would have the first act of the movie open with the X-Men. I would advertise it as the core team. I would have the original five mm. as your headliners. And then in the second act of the film, they go on a trip to Krakoa. And then comic fans know <laughs> oh, what that means. Yeah. So in the second act of the film, they're trapped on the island. We get an entire second act. So mm-hmm. we're talking... 75 minutes of this movie is that core team. So they finally get their just desserts. I want the core five. I want them cast well. I want to see Beast as Hank. I want to see Angel with the white wings. I want my freaking X-Men. And that's the first two acts of the film. And then the third act, we get your giant size X-Men team that has to come rescue. And that way we earn the fact that we get to 12 X-Men. We earn the fact that we get to 12 to 13, depending on which team they go with. And then we don't overburden the movie. And then by the time the inevitable sequel comes, we have the original 13. We have the 90s X-Men we've always wanted. We build up from Krakoa. So you have man versus nature as your intact 
antagonist for the second act. At the end of the third act, you introduce whatever villain's going to be the sequel villain, but that way you have time to invest in the school. You have the Harry Potter element. You have the team element. Yep. You have the world building. You have the relationships. You care about Gene and Scott, and then you introduce the giant size X-Men for the third act so we can all get the Colossus we deserve. Good. As long as I get Archangel at the end, I'll green light that whole thing. <laughs> I <laughs> love because Archangel with the Blades is my favorite Archangel. <laughs> it's a strong pitch. It does uh, suffer from like the, the, you know, if I have to watch Storm show up for the last 10 minutes or something and look awesome and never get a follow-up movie <laughs> she again. Gets uh, uh, it'll hurt. Uh, so I think that there is some merit in going with a like second team rescues the first try to do justice to both. I don't know how doable it is. Uh, you, you have... You could do some out-of-the-box things. If you're trying to justify introducing them, you could use Mr. Sinister mm. to do some shenanigans um, about the revelation of mutants and all of that sort of thing. Uh, although he he traditionally plays on the sort of being obsessed with the history of the X-Men, which is difficult to do if you don't have the history <laughs> yet. Uh, it, I don't know, because I like that the, the team you're citing, which is basically giant-sized team, yeah. uh, more or less, has a, there's a lot of reasons that that's an immortal lineup, but I'm torn because I love the history and I love the original mm. crew, but an entire movie of them before the others show up, I don't know, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to have choices, if nothing else. Uh, let's jump to the sweaty question of the week as we're running out of time. Uh, this comes from Alex Corey. He asks, um, he's at Alex J. Corey, what was the comic that made you fall in love with comics, the one comment, and, and you know, I'm only a temporary host, but I wanted to ask this because you, you, well, we'll say in a second. But like, what is your, uh, what is your comic that's gonna that made you fall in love with comics? I guess. Do you have one? A single issue? Yeah. Because I, I, one you remember that was the difference that like hooked you, and you're like, this is my life now. I'd been reading comics for a while when this one came out, so uh, I'll preface it with that. But there was uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man number 75, I think mm. it was, and it was uh, John Meter Jr. on art. It was the conclusion of the Clone Saga, and I am a Ben Riley guy. I know. Uh, <laughs> so I have loved Ben Riley for a long time. I'd read Scarlet Spider. I was the right age for a blue hoodie on Red. Sure. Awesome. I was the right age to be like, I just need a Sharpie and a blue hoodie, and I'm a hero. So I'd been reading Ben Riley for a long time. I love bleached hair, worked at the friends coffee shop because that's what he did they were he was working at friends anyway number 75 was my favorite artist it was the green goblin it was an almost isolated issue it was at the daily bugle it was all of his friends and it killed ben riley Mm. He gets he gets taken out saving Spider-Man. So it's all of the power of Spider-Man. It's all about family. It's all about power and responsibility. It's a character that even then I was reading magazine, Wizard Magazine and knew people hated him. But he sacrificed himself for Peter. And that showed what that character is. That whether he was real or not, he was about power and responsibility. And the art was gorgeous. It took place on Halloween. It, to me, was the moment I was like... This is the rest of my life because this is all of the moral compass I need. I need to know that right and wrong are here. I need to know what villains are. I need to know that friends are important. And I really want to go forward being as good as Ben Riley. Everyone hated him in real life and the comic, but he did what was right at the end. And I love that issue. And the Spider-Man suit so cool. That's awesome. Amy? That's a better answer than mine, which I, I can remember. <laughs> like, I, I remember sort of the, the shopping trip that pushed me over the line. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, I was an X-Men animated series kid, so I love the characters. And I knew comics a bit because I knew, like, my, my aunt had some asterisks that we would read. We all mm. read comic strips. Comics were around. I was paying attention to stuff. But I was, like, in a shop looking for Star Trek things or something. And I saw two books. And I'm not particularly proud because they're not particularly <laughs> remarkable. But one of them was the, uh, the subtitleless 90s X-Men series. Um, it was, like... One of the issues where the ex-babies come oh. to Manhattan um, and get hunted down. And, Franklin. And, 
What? The ex-babies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it was one of those, and, and it was perfect because I recognized some of the characters, and they were doing sort of parodies of themselves and interacting with the grown-up versions, and it sort of introduced me to this concept of, like, different versions of the thing I was familiar with. And then the other one, again, not remarkable, Generation X number 5. Mm. Generation X. Issue 5 of Generation X by Scott Lobdell and Chris Bachelot. Just sometimes you're at that moment, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I saw Jubilee on the cover, and I had no idea who anybody else was. I picked it up. I got obsessed. I tracked down every issue of the series and the ash cans, and it was the <laughs> first thing that I, like, collected to completion, followed it, complained about later stories. It was like my origin story was just looking at that and being like that one. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why then, but, like, the rest was history. Yeah. Um, I already said mine. It was Dark Knight Returns, number one. I read comic strips in the you know, in the newspaper and stuff, and you, your dad would come home with, oh, you know, we found these comics, uh, you, you read them. But Dark Knight Returns is when I was like, what is this? And I was 14, 15 when it came out. So it was like a complete change for me. And then I got into uh, Watchmen and V for Vendetta and all that kind of And then everything else. And, and then when and I was... manga is a whole different... Oh, yeah. And then manga. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then, <laughs> and then when I was falling off, uh, Image burst out of the seams mm-hmm. and Spawn got me. And then Savage Dragon and Stormwatch and Youngbloods and all those. Like, that brought me back into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, there are so many comic, incredible comics. And so let us know in the comments. What, are the, what is the comic that, like... That was the one that turned you on to comics. Let us know in the comments section below. But I wanted to ask this question also because I want to make, or I am going to make, the formal announcement as the producer of Collider Heroes. I want to introduce you all to the new co-hosts going forward of Collider Heroes. Amy Dallin and Koi Jandrew are going to be taking over the show starting next Wednesday. The show is going to be once a week on Wednesdays. We don't have a time yet. You can tune in to the Collider Town Hall meeting. Then we'll announce the actual time when we're dropping because we're moving a lot of shows around in terms of timing and scheduling. But it will be on Wednesday afternoons, That will, and we will do one show a week. These uh, fine people will be co-hosting. I still will stay on as producer. I don't know what Dorian's going to do. Just irritate me the whole time, probably. <laughs> over there. Uh, but happy birthday, Dorian! Yeah, happy birthday, Dorian! Shout out. There you go. Um, uh, anything you two want to say as you're taking over the show starting next week? Um, thank you all who have watched. Uh, there are. are no worse circumstances we can imagine for having good news. Of course. Um, but it will be an honor to try to carry the show forward uh, that I have loved so much uh, and loved being part of and loved talking to all of you. Mm-hmm. I, I, there is no worse way to get the best job. Um, that I would only do this if I felt like John thought that's what we should do. And I also love the idea that it takes two of us to even begin <laughs> to be one-tenth of that giant man of pop culture. If you want to draw us standing on each other's shoulders wearing that's a trench exactly coat, please. That's, that's, and that's about what it takes. <laughs> yep. uh, so I just loved it when, when they told me that it was the two of us that that made sense because mm. John is so much and will always be so much. And this show means so much to me that I love that it gets to go on. And I... What Schnapp represents and what this week uh, and weeks have, have have shown me with the the internet at large and and you and the fans and the people and Comic Con and strangers stopping me and talking about John is I want the conversation to go on forever. Yeah. I want I want uh, the, one of my favorite um, one of my sorry to ramble one of my favorite uh, sentences you? ever I ever heard. I don't I'm grief <laughs> gravity. Uh, the idea that you that, did this real guy. <laughs> <laughs> you unleashed this. No, but like as long as fair, we keep fair. saying his name, then he's with us. Yeah. So I love the idea that we will always be. Talking talking about John because this gets to carry on and I want every comic con and every small con and every comic store I want John Schnepp to come up so doing mm-hmm. this is such an honor because it is with John 
And I love that, man. Yeah, and I think that's a really powerful statement you make, and you as well, Amy. The idea is that if we were going to go forward, we were going to go forward in a way that we felt was correct and honor and honor John. And uh, he, bo- he loved you both. And the idea that we have uh, the, 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 uh, one of the originals and then uh, the new blood in, it's great to have a combo of both, to have two different perspectives, also male-female. That's fantastic. And, you know, John was very supportive of women being in the nerd community, the geek community, and having a voice, a powerful voice to say and be represented well as well. So we're honoring him all around and the love you both had for him. I know the show is in great hands. I'm, hap- I'm very happy to be staying on as producer, and I'm excited to see where the show goes. And I hope all of you watching, all of you watching are excited that these two are taking the mantle uh, as hosts of the show because I think it's in great hands and I you know you all have been clamoring who's going to take over who's going to take over I hope you're happy the show is going to keep going forward and I hope you're happy that these two are taking it over because they will do incredible work they will honor Schnepp and also push the show into a new direction as well which will be interesting and it'll be fun to watch from the sidelines and occasionally come on and do my own punditry when I get a chance Uh, but you know we'll have more news as this goes along Uh, so I want to thank you all for watching Heroes has been episode 264 thank you to Koi Jandro where can people find you brother find me on Instagram and Twitter at my name Koi Jandro and once again thank you all so much for just reaching out and Amy uh, you can you. find me at Enthusiami. You can find me here. Uh, and, yeah, thank you so much for the wonderful words that people have sent. Uh, and thanks for coming with us on this next phase. Yeah, I echo them as well. Thank you all for the wonderful words you all have been sending since John's passing. All of us have been moved by them. And uh, we feel even more connected to you all than maybe we have before. And I think that's a great thing. And I, I don't think John could have wanted anything more than that. So, all right, thanks for watching. We will see you all next week for another episode of Collider Heroes. Stay sweaty. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply.